Hello, all you beautiful people. This is Optimistically Depressed, and I am your host, Ruth McMullen. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen in. Actually, tonight I got to meet a couple people who listened to this podcast, and it blew my mind. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, if you happen to like if you live in the Halifax area and we happen to bump into each other, I the, like say hi because it blows my mind. <laughs> anyway, um, I've been so tired lately and it's really throwing me off. It, like I've been tired before. I mean, I have three kids. I understand what it is to be tired, but I've been like sitting down on the couch and accidentally falling asleep and that's new to me. I don't typically do that. It's more, um, like I've taken intentional naps in the past, but never like sit down and then, and then wake up shortly later and just be like, what happened? And I guess like maybe, maybe the reason why I didn't do it in the past was because my kids were more vocal about their displeasure of me being asleep on the couch. I don't know. Maybe yeah, now they just kind of entertain themselves a bit more and, you know, just make huge messes around the house for me to clean up. But they're quiet about it. I don't know. It's strange. And it's oddly, it's it's a bit discouraging because it's making it so I'm feeling less productive. But I also kind of think that perhaps I'm just going through a bit of a season right now. Last month has been pretty... Um, has been pretty emotional. And so I'm probably still recovering. And I think that that's, I think being tired is pretty typical actually. I'm, I don't know. I've, I've just started to really realize that how tired I've really been lately today as I woke up from accidentally passing out on the couch. So, um, yeah, that's been kind of weird, but I am starting to feel a little bit more like myself. Um, I'm starting to like readjust this week was, um, a bit more overall, a bit more productive. I'm starting to kind of get my life back in order. I'm starting to get the house back in order slowly, but surely. And, um, yeah, I think, I think I'm doing, I think I'm doing okay. I'm starting to start new projects and that feels good. I'm challenging myself on a couple other things and that feels good. Yeah. So I got to interview Brock and it was funny. We, so we never met until right before we did the podcast. Um, he came over with our friend Raina and we just like, we met, gave each other a hug. We hung out outside for a little bit and then we came in and did the podcast. And then all of a sudden it was like, and now I know you very well. And it was, and as it turns out, I really like the guy, really genuine, kind person who's been through some, like, you know, he's, he has his story and it's a good story and he shares some of it. He shares some of his philosophies and it was really nice having a conversation with him. And it was nice, um, you know, meeting him for the first time and then getting into like a really serious discussion and then at the end of it being like, I like you. <laughs> so that was nice. And I find that like, um, that's like, that's 
that's tip that's been pretty typical like with the guests that I've had on optimistically depressed each person that I've sat down with and I I get to know them a little better through this podcast at the end of it I'm just like I like you I've been very privileged to have incredible people come on the podcast uh and Brock is yeah he's an outstanding person really enjoyed having a conversation with him it was really nice spending some time with him that afternoon and so uh I think that you're going to enjoy this this conversation that he and I had and um yeah I think that's it I think that's it so just enjoy bread and, and and then we took cheddar cheese white smoked cheddar cheese and then old cheddar cheese and then laid it in and then put garlic butter on it oh my goodness so if that i so if i burp during this podcast that's why <laughs> just make sure you do it right into the mic it, okay perfect <laughs> then we'll definitely spike the levels if i burp up old smoked cheddar cheese <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll be perfect yeah so Hi, Brock. Hi. How's it doing? How's it doing? How's it doing? How you doing? Oh, I'm fantastic. Thanks for letting me come on your podcast. Thanks for coming on my podcast. Even though I just met you. Like half an hour ago? But see, that was my plan. I know. I heard. I really wanted to come on without even knowing you personally, because I feel talking to somebody in a third person would be more authentic. Yeah. And because like when you know somebody, it can be kind of biased or you can like hide how you feel about certain things or maybe they already know. So you don't go in depth with it. So I feel that 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 was more my my routine for this. I think that's actually quite smart. I get it. I've done the same thing with certain people that like I don't know. I'm kind of like, you know what? I'm going to tell you some of my garbage (laughs) because you don't know me. You're yeah, not going to exactly. judge me. And if you do judge me, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to see you again. I will see you again, but <laughs> but that's it's okay. true. Next time you see me, you will know everything. I know, and I'm going to look at you weird. Probably. Yeah. Definitely. So I hope that doesn't make you feel uncomfortable. No more hugs. No more. Oh my gosh, no. no. You got your only hug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I'm a highly judgmental person. That's same, actually why. Same. Big time. Yeah. That's, that's why, why I'm here, because <laughs> I'm, ju- I'm judging your podcast. Yeah, and I'm judging you. Gotcha. Yeah. And that's why I've started this podcast. So I can just. So you could do like 30 some episodes and finally have me on to judge to me. Just judge you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. Yeah. I don't know. Fun fact. I've never done a podcast before. No. Fun fact. Fun I've, fact. I've only ever done interviews for like newspapers and like online columns, but never done like an actual podcast. How do you find doing interviews? Oh, oh here, hold on. Here, here comes a burp. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I, I told you that was going to happen. I'm so sorry. It's, it's beautiful. This is a safe place. is a safe, judgmental uh, place, but still a That's what happens when place. you eat grilled cheese before you do a podcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, that sounds so good. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll have grilled cheese for supper. You should. Yeah. I mm. highly recommend it. Okay. Ooh, with like fancy cheese. Yeah. Although I'm not going to the grocery store with my kids, so it's not going to happen. That's fine. So that means you got to use craft singles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please, no. <laughs> 
yeah. We love the processed stuff. <laughs> the more processed, the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what I was saying. We were oh, ta- yeah, 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 yeah. We're talking about how this is my first first podcast. And you've done interviews for the newspaper and online. Right. Did you find that they did a pretty good job at like representing what you were trying to say? Um, yes and no. I feel like when I talk about myself, oh, there's another verb coming. Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Okay. I find that, sorry. I find <laughs> that when I describe myself in like different contexts, I feel like it's always twisted some way because the person who's hearing what you're saying, especially when it's written word, they can mold it to how they want other people to receive it. But I feel like this kind of structure when people do podcasts and they do interviews or like on camera, it's different because it's your voice and your words and your and your tone. The biggest thing is tone. Oh for me. It's huge. It's the yeah. same thing with with text, with copy on social media, with like anything. You can't perceive how someone really feels. Mm-hmm. So I feel like yes and no, but yeah. I feel like this kind of format I I love. I mean, I I listen to a ton of podcasts. Okay. I'm a big music person and a big podcast person. Um, so I love those two mediums, mm-hmm. um, but when, yeah, and I just really enjoy hearing someone talk about their experiences or doing it like an interview that style Yeah, because you can really hear the tone and then you can connect with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I've been interviewed by a couple papers and, um, and known people that kind of got interviewed and mm-hmm. it's, it's so far not been a great experience. I found that like my words were just so twisted. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Kind of like, yeah. Oh, that's not at all yeah. what I was saying. Exactly. So I try to, I shy away from it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe one day that will change. Maybe. But, but I mean, that's why I wanted to come on here. Like that's why when I knew that you were down to have me on, like I was, pr- I was pretty stoked because I know like we talked earlier, like off, Mike, about how your podcast, like you started it because you wanted to start doing one. Like, I mean, like even I thought about doing one at at one point. I just think it's very cool, like to have some kind of, I don't know, channel where you can have people come on and it's kind of like reading a book. You have to like listen to the person and kind of imagine what's happening in the room and like listen to their stories. Mm. And for me, I'm a very visual person, so... I just think it's really neat. And yeah, sure, some some podcasts are filmed and you can watch them, but I really like the ones where you have to like drive in your car and listen to it. And you have to kind of picture what's happening in the room and the emotions and stuff. But the reason, looping back to what I said, it's like I wanted to come on here because I like where your podcast has gone. And it's like people talking about their experiences, whether that be in their personal life or in kind of like a social media platform or like combining those because it's a huge thing. Like a huge thing like like mental health in general on social media and young people's lives Mm. is like such a heavy thing these days and no one really talks about it and if they do it's very like shallow or not really shallow but it's i don't know what the word is for it it's just like vague vague yeah it's vague and it's and it passes over very quickly right yes it's kind of like something lives on social media it lives for like 12 hours and then nobody cares about it yeah right so yeah i just think what you're doing is just very awesome and 
I just really enjoy the context behind it. And there's not many podcasts like that. You know what I mean? That especially in like in the Maritimes, especially where people are getting deep into, you know, the root of like certain issues or, you know, it's a very niche market for what's happening in podcasts, I find. And like yours is like, it's still very fresh, Mm -hmm. I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's great that it's already taking form at like a fresh stage. Thank you so much. You are so welcome. Yeah, I got this encouragement. I could get used to it. I try. Yeah, I try. Well, that's the thing too. Is like you, I don't know. For me, it's like always wanting to encourage people. Mm. I think when I was younger, I never had a lot of people who looked at what I wanted to do with life and were like, "You're going to succeed in that." Like I remember when I was. I was like 15 or 16 and then my parents got me my first video camera. It was like a DV camera or like a DVD camera. Like you had to like record on tape mm. and then you had to put it into like a cassette thing to, to watch them. And I remember running around with it all the time with my friends making like skateboard videos and like all this stuff. And I remember I kept thinking like, I want to make movies as a living. Like mm. who doesn't want to do that? that? Like, like that's freaking awesome. And so many of my parents' friends at the time we're like, you shouldn't encourage that. That's a hobby. You're never, like, he's never going to su- like succeed in that. And me being from a small town in New Brunswick, it's like every one of my friends was, like, going into a trade. And I did yeah. that for, like, two months, and I was like, screw this. I'm not, I want to work with my hands, but not in that sense, right? Right, yeah. So a lot of people put me down for it, I think. Or, like, a lot of my parents' friends did, and they they were like, oh, no, it's a hobby. He's never going to succeed in that, you know, and... So I feel like nowadays when I see people who want to get into that platform, and I mean, it's much easier now than it was yes. 10, 15 years ago. Yes. Um, but because, I mean, even then, like when I was in high school, Facebook was just a thing. This is like in 2008, eight nine. It was like just a thing, right? Like it was, you could write on people's walls and be like, hey, you want to meet up, go for ice cream? Like and yep. now, yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, that was a bad example of a, of a wall post, but that's fine. <laughs> you want to go for ice cream yeah who doesn't want to go for ice cream (laughs) you know what i mean though i do know what you mean but i think that for me it's like when i see people who are going into university and college and wanting to get into the creative space whether it's photography you know videography art like graphic design even like marketing marketing now like if you're in marketing you have to have like some kind of skill set in that, right? Like it's it's crazy. So I always try to encourage people in that sense or give people um, the kind of, you know, list of like what they might need to look out for or what they should, um, you know, the encouragement that they need to push forward. Because mm. like when I was younger, no one ever did that for me. The only person who did that for me was I remember when I got to grade 12, I had ditched the video recorder camera and I had gotten my first like DSLR camera. And my principal gave me my own class first period every day. And he encouraged me to take that time and create videos for the school. So like anti-bullying videos and things like that. So like that was like my first kind of break like into, okay, I can do this. Like, I mean, my family's supported it and my principal did and some of my friends but a lot of other people like didn't take it seriously because because yeah. no one was doing it at that time yeah oh I get it I grew up in a small town and everybody knows your business and they all have an opinion about it mm-hmm. and it hurts and it can be very like effective and it can really tear you down mm-hmm. I think that's a like I had a lot of people that were encouraging in my life too but when you have the, all those voices that are 
just weighing in mm. and you're not yet equipped to be able to properly filter through all that stuff. I mean, it's difficult to do that even now as an adult, but when you're younger, it's just like that impacts you. It kind of crushes your hope. Oh, in a way. Absolutely. Because you because you have no idea what you're going to do with your life. Yeah. And it's it's almost like impossible to see yourself going anywhere, right? Cuz you're yeah. like, okay, what am I going to do now? Like no one thinks that that I can do well in this, so I'm just going to scrap it and yeah. figure something else out. Yeah. And like that like it's it's such an impact now, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. and even then b- before social media was a thing and there was like the the pressures of social media, it was still like really, you know, hurtful. Yeah. Especially with me, like I'm a very emotional person. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I feel like I can get that from you. Like even knowing you now for an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> was that pretty spot on? That was pretty spot on. Yeah. But yeah. So I think for me, it was more, yeah, I took it to heart, but that's yeah. why I try now to always encourage people and like help younger people out who want to even have advice to get like, how do I approach school or a job interview or even building my portfolio right so yeah because all those things are daunting when you're especially when you're doing it for the first time Mm -hmm. that's awesome yeah so then what are some of the stories that you want to talk about right now um we can talk about anything i i mean i'm an open book Um, yeah i think i was a closed book for a long time but i'm a pretty open book now i feel like you know I'm turning 27 this year and I have gone out with people who I have known for a long time and have talked to them and had conversations with them. And they're like now in their forties and fifties and they'll look at me and be like, and just say, you know, I feel like you live more than I have in my entire life and you're only 27. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of roads we can take. I've gone through depression suicide, um, you know, ups and downs when it comes to my personal life, which has affected my schooling, which has affected my, my work, my work ethic. And I feel like right now at this present time is a really cool time to talk about my past to you and maybe shed light to other people Yeah, who want to, you know, hear from another young person that they're not alone. Yeah. Because that's how I feel when I've read columns or heard podcasts or like interviews with people who who are, you know, late 20s, like mid 20s or even like mid 30s who who deal with or, or, or who have dealt with so much stuff. And you're like, wow, I did. You know, I didn't think someone else would go through as much as I did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can start in probably when I was in university. Let's start there. So when I was in university, I had you know, had been through my first relationship. I was focusing on that kind of path towards like being in the digital space, being in film. Um, I wanted to work in film. Social media wasn't really a thing yet. But I remember just really struggling with the relationship that I was in at the time. And I was probably like 19, I think. Yeah. And, you know, that's like your first, (laughs) I don't know, your first love and you just think the world's coming down on you. But But at the time, I just didn't understand it, right? And you didn't understand you know, those emotions. Mm-hmm. So my second year of university, I just pretty much gave up on a lot of things because I was struggling so much. And that's where my anxiety and depression really kind of developed. I knew that I always had it mm-hmm. when I was younger because when I was younger, I, I went through things with my family, um, being the oldest of two. 
Yeah. So I went through a lot of stuff kind of because I was the first trial for my parents. Right. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of, you know, first siblings that can relate to that. Not that that was a huge factor in my anxiety and depression, but I knew that I was a very emotional person. Yeah. And so, you know, my second year university, I was on academic probation because I wasn't going to class. I wasn't putting myself out there. And, you know, I had overcome that hurdle of being a young person and people, you know, saying he's not going to do that as a job. He's not going to have that as a career. It's it, it, like it's a hobby. So I made it that far. Yeah. But then I just felt like giving up and I felt very suicidal. I gained a lot of weight. I was drinking a lot. Um, and I think over time, I kind of, you know, with the support of my family, and my friends, I realized, you know, you don't need to just be sad. Like you have a lot going for you. Mm. And I think that 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 right there is a huge phrase. You have a lot going for you. Mm. I have told myself that even like yesterday. Oh, yeah. You know, I tell myself that all the time. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's crazy to think, like, even as I progressed past second year university, you know, I started to go see a therapist who I saw for six years after that, off and on, and wow, he, okay. he was amazing, and he, it was really cool, like, talking to you is, like, a third person, like, to kind of vent to and, like, open up to, mm. and that, that, that helped, and... You know, I kept going through university and I kind of pulled myself out of that. And I didn't think that I'd ever feel that way again. And boy, was I wrong. <laughs> like when you're that young and you're feeling just like lost and like you you've overcome certain hurdles when you're younger. Mm -hmm. And then you get to a certain point when you're like starting to come into your, you know, mid 20s. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your life. And maybe like re and like it sounds cliche, but relationships are a huge you know, a huge factor in someone's life. Oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And they, they dictate so much. And I was trying to focus on being in film and like, I was teaching like kids camps. I taught high school for a year. I taught grade 11 English. Wow. Documentary film. I was teaching these like summer camps, these um, workshops to ad adults and kids. Like there was so much happening. Mm -hmm. Right. And so many other people my age w were in like business and building houses Monday to Friday. And I was doing what I loved and it was crazy. But at the time, you're so caught up in the negativity in your life that you can't you can't see the good in things. Yeah. So as time went on, like I kept just kind of pushing forward. But I mean, I abused alcohol a lot Um mainly because I kind of carried that weight over me from my second year university. Um, you know, I ended up like getting a bit more fit and like figuring out my health. Um, but it's hard when you're in, you know, university and you're trying to pursue something. But for me, I'm a big FOMO person and I can't say no. Yeah. And I lived with eight guys in a house. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> in Fredericton, New Brunswick. So, I mean, Wednesday to Saturday, it's, you just can't say no. You know, I, I would text my mom and be like, hey, can I have 40 bucks this weekend so I can... And what would I do? I'd go buy cigarettes and beer. And there was a big wake-up call for me in my fourth year university. This is like one of my last kind of like rounds of school. I had mm -hmm. accomplished a lot. I was getting ready to graduate. I had kind of luckily got through school I had applied myself more but I was still like behind the scenes abusing a lot mm -hmm. um and one more 
my friends and I had been up all night and um, it was like 7 a.m. And I was like, I, I need a pack of cigarettes. So I took my car and I drove up to the Irving at the top of the hill, which is like five minutes from my house. And I bought a pack of cigarettes. And as I was coming back down the hill, I just kind of like zoned out. And my best friend Jordan was sitting on the front lawn and he said it sounded like an airplane was going over top of him, but it was my car. And Whoa. I drove my grandmother's Ford Focus through an intersection at like probably 60 kilometers an hour, 70 kilometers an hour, hit a telephone pole, hit my roommate's car, and then drove into the side of our house when I was 23 years old. Ouch. And like almost my, almost finishing university. And I think that for me was like kind of my first wake up call. Like, I mean, I had been, you know, in certain situations before that. I, I mean, even before that, you know, when it comes to, to like alcohol as a young person, I mean, there was one time I hit, like, I mean, I'm going to, I'm an open book, so I don't, you know, I'm past this stuff. But mm-hmm. I mean, I've been in situations where, I mean, I hit a guy over the head one time with a wine bottle and I went to jail in PEI. Wow. And, it was the scariest thing of my life. How long were you there for? Like, I don't know, uh, like 15 hours. And okay. that's enough for anybody. Oh, I yeah. I had to share a cell with this Jersey Shore guy. And he was like, oh, man, this sucks that we're in here, bro. I was like, bawling my eyes out. I was like, freak you, man. Like, yeah, it does suck. <laughs> they gave us Frosted Flakes with no milk. Oh. <laughs> it was awful. It was awful. It, it was awful. awful. That was the worst part. Um, no, but I mean, there are things that have happened when I was younger that, that really were wake up calls, but I never really took it, you know, like it never sunk in. Yeah. And this whole time you're like striving for this goal to be better and to want to, you know, cause I'm not a bad person. No. And I feel like we've all done bad things in our lives. Yes. Um, but those are two scenarios that stick out to me that are a huge wake up call for when I was younger Mm -hmm. and but I'd never recognized them at the time. Like, I think like a week after I had been in jail for the wine bottle, like thing, I was shotgunning a beer on someone's deck like a week later. Cause I just didn't, didn't register. I just didn't care because I feel like when I went through that initial relationship and felt what it was like to have depression and anxiety and miss somebody and think that everyone's pointing fingers at you. Yeah. It kind of like loomed over me as I carried on through the years. So when these big, scenarios happened like the car crash and the wine bottle I just didn't really it didn't sink in I was just like I was kind of numb to it yeah that makes sense yeah 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 I know it's amazing how when you have depression and anxiety it's like you start to get to these points where you're like this is the only thing that I can think of that will just make me feel good right now and I just need to feel okay yeah is that like is that kind of what it is for you or was it something different? Um, no, that's exactly what it was, I think, because I'd wake up on a Monday and, you know, you you live your regular life until probably Wednesday. But my mind was always focused on, all right, it's Thursday, time to go out, you know, time to forget about what happened last weekend. We're going to make more bad decisions. And I feel this has carried on for a very long time where I kept making bad decisions, but I wasn't really conscious of what I was doing. Yeah. And that built my anxiety at without me even realizing it you know mm-hmm. and it was a big struggle for me you know up until even like a year ago mm-hmm. because I would keep keep striving to 
to be better, but it, it just would never resonate with me. Like what I was, I was doing harm to myself because I kept ignoring the fact that I was making bad decisions. And, you know, I started to really flourish in, you know, I finally finished university. I did film for like another like six months and, and then social media was a thing. Like it was a thing then like, so many businesses were looking for photographers and videographers, people to make their content look great because that's where all the advertising was was going. Yeah. And this was in 2015. So I was still kind of stuck in that rut, but I was starting to pursue what I really wanted to do. So I stayed in Fredericton, but I was working um, in uptown St. John. So I traveled back and forth all the time to St. John, New Brunswick. And... That's about like an hour and 15 minute drive. So I was doing that like three to four days a week. Okay. Yeah. And that's still like kind of abusing alcohol and doing other things. But I always made it happen. Like I always woke up in the morning and I always went to work. Right. Yeah. Um, and I just kept doing it. Like I was finally working in like the social media space. Like I stopped doing short films. I started like doing like short form content, like 30 second advertisements. It was wow. unreal. I loved wow. it. I, was, I met so many new people. I was working with a really cool team um, who we had a studio in Venice Beach, California. We had one in uh, St. Saint- John. And my boss, who kind of took me under his wing at the time, uh, you know, was excellent. And I was, you know, I was still a young person in the industry and social media and like content. I don't even think influencers were a thing yet. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't even, it's so weird to think about, but they weren't. No. But I kept, yeah, I don't know. I was where I wanted to be, but I still couldn't see the good in anything because I had so much kind of going on in my life. Um, and I kept carrying all that guilt and like all the things that I did and have done and was doing, if that, if that makes any sense, I just mm-hmm. kept kind of carrying it around with me. And it was yeah. really, it was really stressful. Like, cause I had come so far, like from 2008 where they told me that it was just a hobby and I wasn't going to have a full-time job. I was now in a full-time job in, marketing and social media as like a 20, I think I was like 24. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I was still like taking it for granted, you know, and I think that was the hardest part. And that's the hardest part to think about right now, you know, because you're accomplishing so much that you just want to celebrate all the time. Yeah. And that's not necessarily how it should be. Mm. And especially what I did. Cause I mean, I don't do drugs. I've never done drugs in my life, Mm -hmm. but alcohol has always been a big factor in me not succeeding like I would have to shoot a wedding like I mean I've been shooting weddings now for 10 years wow and I would have to shoot a wedding on a Saturday and I would be out till 3 a.m the night before and show up and I would shoot it and it was like half ass and I would wake up the next day and review my footage and I would be so upset with myself because I could have done so much better Mm. but I just continued to do that you know what I mean like it was like always a vicious circle yeah yeah no I get it and like it's yeah and it's crazy how much substance substance uh, substance abuse can affect you without you even realizing it yeah it it sneaks up on you Mm -hmm. yeah I get that too yeah so then how did it play into your depression and anxiety you you did touched on that but let's get more into that and like and you had mentioned that you were like were suicidal so then like 
I, I want to talk about some of the thoughts also that go through your head when, when you're there, because I know that a lot of people don't quite realize it's, it's, it's something that, um, when you say it, it's like, huh, that's kind of weird. Like, of course you would know what a suicidal thought is, but people don't always realize what a suicidal thought is. Mm-hmm. So if you don't mind talking about some of those things, like that would be. Sure. Sure. So I feel that, I don't know how to explain this. It's a hard yeah. thing to explain really because yeah, I feel is, like yeah. everyone deals with it differently. Me being in a creative space and me being an emotional person, I feel like a lot of people who are in the creative space are, you know, 75% water and the other, what's, I, I'm really bad at math, but the other 25%, 25% is <laughs> emotional. <laughs> I cannot think right now. No, it's all good. <laughs> 75% water, 25% emotional. Um, mm. For me, I always thought about when I got really sad and depressed, I never thought like, I would never do that. Like I would think about it and even to think about it is pretty messed up. But I was like, no, I would never do that. Like I'm just really sad. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I feel like a lot of young people are just really sad. You know, and like people are really good at at hiding it. I suck at hiding it. You, You can tell like instantly by my facial expression you know yeah they're like yeah brock's not feeling well um (laughs) but for me it was hard because your anxiety creates issues in your head that aren't real and Mm. it fluctuates your mind and your emotions like i mean i suffered from severe anger issues from the time i was like 18 until i was you know last year probably like last spring like i i feel like the gap between the last 4 years has been a roller coaster for me mm-hmm. um and when it comes to depression and suicide i never really i never really thought about it and stopped taking it for granted until last year yeah so to kind of fast forward a bit and to kind of get to that point of what like how it aff- affected me Mm-hmm. So I left St. John and I went to Moncton and I was in this very serious relationship with someone that I love dearly. Mm-hmm. And I moved to Moncton for her and blessing in disguise. I got an awesome job at an awesome team in Moncton, um, doing full time benefits like social media marketing, Amazing. you know, the whole works getting sent to festivals that they sponsor. It's at Atlantic lottery is is oh wow is is who i work for full-time now wow i've been there like almost two years wow yeah and it's like the dream of a lifetime like they send me to festivals and events i get to meet people who win millions of dollars and shoot commercials my whole team is amazing um you know it was a blessing in disguise but you know we were really really great and and this kind of ties in with relationships and like being in your mid 20s and like figuring out what you really want to do cuz even when i was in Fredericton and then working in St. John i was still kind of like in that phase of like i'm just going to coast do yeah. what i have to do li- live my life but when i got to Moncton i was like okay this is serious we're living together i'm you know doing weddings full time i'm doing marketing full time i'm doing like content full time and it was crazy and but my relationship was falling apart because I was so focused on that and not that person. Right. And at this point in my life, this is like a couple of years ago, you know? So all those kind of demons that I dealt with when I was younger, I've kind of subsided. Like when I met this person, they had subsided. 
Yeah. And I feel like when, you know, when you meet that person that really like, you know, triggers you, you just kind of forget about your past almost. It's yes. like, and I mean, I'm not saying that I'm super like innocent. I'm not. I did a lot of bad things when I was younger. I hurt a lot of people mm-hmm. um, as I think we, we all do. Yes, absolutely. So I really kind of gave myself to this person mm-hmm. and I was like doing really well in content. I, I started meeting so many people through like Instagram and Facebook and finally connecting with so many other young people in this industry who I didn't even know existed. Yeah. And, but my relationship was falling apart and part of it was miscommunication. Part of it was jealousy, insecurities, um, me kind of giving up on her and then her eventually giving up on me. It's all these factors, right? Yeah. And I don't wish what I went through on anybody, um, but all that happened last spring. So this is like a year ago. Okay. Probably like a year ago, like last May. Okay. And all of a sudden it clicked and everything that I went through when I was younger and all that stuff that I talked about earlier just kind of hit me like a freight train. And because when I was with this person, I was really happy and and it showed in my work that I did. And it's crazy how much someone can affect you. Yeah. Because you've got your family, you've got your friends, and that's one thing, mm-hmm. but it's crazy how much a significant other can affect how you function in your day-to-day life. Yes. Yeah. And I gave everything t- to this person, and she gave everything to me, but at the end of the day, we just weren't right for each other, and that was so hard to, like, understand. Mm-hmm. And by the end of it, it was, you know, it was horrible, and we turned into people that we didn't want to be. And then all of a sudden, it's starting to show in my work. And, uh, and I'm starting to have deja vu. I'm like, I've been here before only like six years ago, you know, Mm -hmm. only this time it was like 10 times worse. And I thought, you know, I'd gone to a therapist. I had, you know, maybe cut back on my alcohol a bit. I had at this point, I'd quit smoking for two years. Wow. I know I quit smoking for two years at this point. I was, you know, healthy. It was awesome. This person had brought like a new light out in yeah. me, but just as fast as it happened, it imploded. And all of a sudden I started getting really depressed and suicidal. Eventually she, she moved out of our house. I kept the house because of my dog and the, the area and stuff. And, you know, I was in the wrong, I think for a lot of things. Um, and I feel really crappy about that. I, and what I mean by that is just, I could have been better. I could have communicated better. Um, I definitely wasn't faithful at the end of it um, in a lot of things, and I take full responsibility for that, and that sucks. Um, But when it was all said and done, I found myself right back where I was before. And by that, I mean, like, I wasn't happy. I was back to drinking a lot. You know, and I'm working at like a crazy good job. I have so much going for me, even though I've lost this person in my life. I have so much going for me, but I couldn't see the good in anything. And this time it was like amplified by like thousands and thousands. And at this point, like Atlantic Lottery is sending me to all these festivals and events. I've got VIP to like everything. I'm shooting like huge bands. Um, I'm shooting like I'm meeting like people like and it was crazy. I just took it all for granted. Yeah. 
and like I would show up somewhere, I'd shoot for a bit, and then I'd get sidetracked, and then I'd just end up drunk up in like a VIP area with like a bunch of people who were like semi-famous or something. And at the time, it's like, yeah, I'm living the life, and I'm taking all these Instagram videos and all this stuff, and and like making myself look cool, but mm-hmm. in reality, it wasn't cool at all. Like I wasn't okay. And there are two things that made me snap out of it all. The first one was one night I was at a bar in Moncton and one of my coworkers and his girlfriend came over and I'd never met her before. And she said, Brock, I love your work. Like you're so talented. I was like, oh, th- like, thank you so much. And then she said, but like, it's crazy how your feed and your photography and your Instagram stories and your personal life are so different. And I'd never met this person before. And this person noticed how much my feed looked professional, but my life was like, like, like alcohol and partying and all this elaborate stuff. And it kind of hit me and I stopped and I was like, holy crap. I was like, she's right. I was like, I'm showcasing all this stuff to make myself feel better. I'm like making my life seem cooler than it is to make myself feel better and to make people think that I'm okay, but I'm not. And the second thing was shortly after that, which is last summer, so summer of 2018, I was out with a lot of friends and I had completely removed this relationship that I was in, like off of social media, like I blocked her, she she blocked me, but I would still see things from time to time or like she would reach out and like we were not okay. Like, and it's pretty classic. Like when you break up with somebody, they... Um, you know, you're still in contact for for a while after, and and you and you just want to hurt the other person when you see them kind of doing well, or right. like you get jealous. And so, anyways, one night I had kind of just hit rock bottom. I and like, I mean, I was, you know, I was 26, and I was like staying out till five in the morning on a Wednesday night, and then dragging my butt to like a dream job. Like it wasn't okay, Be- because I wouldn't face the facts that like I just needed to take a hold of my life. Yeah. And trying to be a content creator and like letting the social media space affect me as well, right? Like trying to continue to strive to make myself look like my life was awesome when really I'd probably cry like four times a week, you mm-hmm. know, just like cuz I live alone, right, with my dog. So I, it's not it's pretty easy to just come home after like a crazy day and just like break down. Yeah. And no one sees that and no one ever will. Um but one night we were out and I ended up coming home and I was pretty inebriated at this point. And I take um, kind of strong anxiety medication. Yeah. And I take one every morning and it's really helped since I started taking it. Um, and I tried to swallow the whole thing. And the only reason why it didn't happen was because my buddy Tom had my credit card and he came back to the house to give it to me, and he found me, like, r- like right before I was, like, going to do it. Wow. Yeah. So the only reason that that didn't happen was because he came back and found me, and not a lot of people know that. Okay. I, I think only, like, a few people know that, but I'm totally cool with talking about it now because I'm past it. Okay. Um, But those are two huge factors, right? Like, that really, like, like someone that I didn't even know Mm-hmm. commenting on my life on social media and my presence and then somebody who's like a very dear friend finding me in that situation. 
and it's and the, and this kind of loops back to my grandmother's car crash and the wine bottle. It's like they're two things that happened to me, but they're in completely different stages of my life. Yeah. And as I had progressed in my life, they affected me more and more. Yeah. Yeah. So when it came to depression and anxiety, it really, it took a long time to hit. Like it kind of loomed over me and I always ignored it. And I think I just used like alcohol abuse and like, I mean, I have a great support group. Like my friends are phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Um, And I still live in Moncton and my friends in Moncton are just like, I, I, lo- I love them so much. Like, I love all my friends everywhere. Yeah. Um, shout out. But <laughs> um, <laughs> but my friends in Moncton have just been just phenomenal with seeing what I've gone through, and they're always there for me, and they're very genuine. And because, um, I mean, there's no... When you have so many people that move away, and, like, I have friends who live in Australia and BC, you know, in the States, and it's like they can't be there all the time. Right. And you can't just reach out because you're embarrassed. Yes. Oh, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's a whole thing in itself. Like you're embarrassed. Like, why would I reach out to my best friend in Australia? You know, he's just waking up. I'm just going to bed and I'm like, oh, man, like I'm going through all this stuff. And it's like, I don't want to burden him with that. You don't want to burden anybody. No. Like you shut yourself off from your family. Right. Yep. And all anybody sees is what's on social media and what's on social media. Your life looks friggin' awesome. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's what I was doing. I was hiding behind a feed. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like so many people do that, but no one talks about it. I was hiding behind a feed because of r- relationships, because I wasn't faithful, because. Because I was abusing alcohol, because I was making bad decisions and all these things stack up and like, you know, maybe it happened in university and maybe I was like y- young enough that it was fine. Like you have more time to kind of like dig yourself out of it and like mm-hmm. and like I kind of did but then when it happened again last year I was it it really hit me like I was like wow like I never thought in a million years that I would actually act on a suicidal thought yeah it was crazy it was crazy to think that like when I woke up the next morning after all that stuff happened I was just so beside myself I was like who are you and I think that's what really clicked it's like when you when you have to stop and ask yourself, who are you? Yeah. Yeah. I've been there. I feel like I'm there again, actually. Like, honestly, I feel like I'm there again. So I can, Mm -hmm. it's terrifying. Yeah. And I feel like you think that when you hit a certain plateau, like, okay, like I'm turning 27. I still have a really good job. I'm really successful in like the content space in the Maritimes and Atlanta, Canada. It's like, but that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like I have met so many people who I've followed online for such a long time. And then you meet them in person and and they're nothing like they are online. And I never want to be like that ever again. Mm. Like I want people to want to work with me and to hire me because what they see is what they're going to get. Yeah. And it's, it's so hard because so many people just try so hard and like I'm super guilty of it too. Like you go somewhere and you focus so much more on getting the perfect Instagram story or the perfect picture than you do just taking it in. This applies to like your mental health, to relationships, mm-hmm. to anything. You know what I mean? And yeah. And I mean you're going through it too in your life right now. Mm-hmm. And I mean 
it's just, it's crazy to think that you think because you're younger, you're invincible. Yeah, yeah. And maybe I did get lucky with some things in life, but at the end of the day, it's not about the physical, it's about what's in your head, right? Yeah. And and not everybody who's emotional suffers from the same thing. Like, we all suffer from it differently. And I mean, yeah. and I'm only speaking from a content creator point of view. Like, there's so many other people out there who just completely shut themselves off and they let it build up and build up. You know what I mean? And then yeah. you hear of, like, your friends committing suicide or, or someone's family member committing suicide or you know, just driving themselves crazy or, or just not being who they're meant to be, right? Yeah. And I think that's what scares the crap out of me is like I was at that point, you know, and people, you know, people see you and they expect you to be, oh, look, there's Brock. He's freaking, he's such a rad dude. And like, let's go shotgun beer and take photos and hike and walk our dogs and, you know, do all these things. And at the end of the day, it's like I was doing that stuff, but I wasn't really soaking it in, you know? Yeah. Like, I wasn't enjoying what I was doing. I wasn't, it was fake. Yeah. You know, it was fake. And I'm not even blaming my, you know, my relationship, you know. I mean, that's a huge factor in how I felt and how I still feel. Um, but I'm just like, it, it all started like when I was, you know, 17, 18. You know, mm -hmm. when I first got my, when I got my first wind of anxiety. Yeah. And not like understanding what it was. And then just letting it completely take over for like 10 years. Yeah. It's difficult to get a handle on it because it, for the longest time, like I speaking personally, I had like serious depression and anxiety for years. Like I honestly like trying to pinpoint when it really started is difficult because it's like, I almost don't know if there was a point in time that I didn't have it. It definitely got worse after I had kids like with postpartum stuff. But it's just, it's strange how it's difficult to even understand what it is. So mm -hmm. you can live with it and try to manage it for so long, but you don't even know what you're trying to manage. Yeah. I mean, that's what was happening last summer too. Like when I had all these amazing opportunities as a, you know, as this profession that I worked so hard to be at and I overcome so many hurdles, mm -hmm. but my, my anxiety was full tilt the whole time. But I was so used to it and I kind of forgot, like, when did this even start? Like, it's been with me my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. And I was taking so many things for granted and just living in the moment and just focusing so much on making my life look great and kind of being fake in a way. I mean, mm -hmm. I wasn't even being, well, I mean, I was being genuine with people, but I would abuse situations because I knew that I could because of where I was at, like, in my life. And that was because of all the depression and the, the anxiety that I felt, I think I was like chasing a dragon, like almost, mm. I was just completely trying to like push the limits, push the limits, push the limits. Yeah. And just not care. Like I remember having a conversation with my mother one time, they came to my house and they knocked on the door and my mom brought me outside and she's like, I feel like you're just completely numb to everything now because of what you've gone through the last few years. You're just completely numb. She's like, you're talented, you're smart, you're funny, but you're completely numb. And I was like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. And, and, and like, even that conversation, like my own mother trying to reach out to me and be like, you're better than this. And I just didn't care. And it's crazy how much it can take over and you don't even realize. Yeah. And when it comes to like substance abuse, whether that's alcohol, drugs, I don't know, 
the opposite sex. It doesn't matter what it is. It's like those things are all huge factors in, you know, defining who you are and like how you want to, you know, portray yourself, you mm. know. And it's not just on social media. It's like, you know, when you see someone in real life, you know, like in person. Yeah. 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 It scares the crap out of me, you know. Mm. And I, and that stuff's just really tricky because you never want to burden somebody. And I think that's the biggest thing is like, like I said at the very first of this talk, it's like you, you always tell yourself you're better than this. You're better than this. But you can only tell yourself so many times before it just becomes like the boy who cried wolf. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. You just say it like as an excuse, right? Yeah. And it doesn't have to be even in the space that we're in, right? It doesn't have to be in the social content space. Like you could be in any kind of profession. Like there's so many people that I know who are in their 20s and doing what they love and I'm so proud of them. Mm-hmm. And I know that they're not happy because they're struggling with the same thing, but they won't talk about it. They won't reach out about it. They won't even listen to something like this that we're talking about right now because they don't want to hear that there's other young people out there in this day and age who are struggling they don't want to relate and it's like Mm. yeah because then it's like somehow acknowledging that there is something not right that there's something not right exactly and i mean me speaking from my personal point of view it's just i did that for way too long like i let it go on for way too long i mean i i was like literally working my dream job and proved everybody wrong that told me that i couldn't do what i wanted to do Mm. and i wasn't happy and it was the worst feeling in the world. Taking things for granted is the worst thing in the world. And I'm still, like, not innocent. I've still made mistakes in the last, like, four months. Well, of course. All you know? of us. All but of us do. Yeah. It's just, it's something that, I don't know, I, I, I wish more people would talk about. I mean, and you don't even have to put it out there online. You don't have to do that. No, just. Even just talking to close friends about how you feel. Like, there should never be. There should never be a, you know, a boundary to that. Like, I mean, no. my friends in Moncton, every time we say bye to each other, we say love you. Yes. I don't care who it is. I love that. Yeah. I'm such a, like, I love, like, I'm a huge fan of, you know, just showing affection and just being like, I like, I care, like, I care and like, I love you like I do. And mm. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Like we, and it's, you know, I think I've, you know, the close friends that I surround myself with through the years have always been like that. But until I really pulled myself out of whatever I've gone through the last, you know, decade, I didn't really re- realize what it meant to have people like that in your life. Mm. And now it it's so fulfilling. And mm. I'm not saying that I'm okay. I don't know if I'll, I don't know if I'll like ever be fully okay. Yeah. But I, I'm definitely so much happier now. Like I I understand where I was and where I am now. Yeah. And having people, you know, your family and your friends, like even just like a hug or I love you is like such an impact. Mm. Before I felt like people just said it to me because they felt bad for me. And you're always paranoid that everyone's pointing their finger. You're like, man, he's not okay. Or holy, like, did you see that video that he did last week? Like could have done so much better. Like, and just like, but people would say that, you know, and, and it sucked. And, but I feel like now I don't, I don't feel that way. I've, I still struggle. Like I still have my days where 
you know, I'll go to a shoot or I'll travel somewhere and I'll meet people and we'll talk and I'll do whatever. It's like, you know, shooting for a brand or a company mm-hmm. and I'll be driving home and be like, oh, you know, I could have said that. I, I could have said that or I could have done this angle or done this. And I still second guess myself mm-hmm. all the time, but I take it more as an optimistic thing in life. Even when I meet somebody like you, I mean, I met you now two hours and 15 minutes ago, <laughs> <laughs> but, but even that I don't take it to heart much anymore. I just try to be who I am. Mm. And I mean, I still struggle with alcohol. I mean, I'm smoking again because I used it as a crutch last year and I just haven't quit. Yeah. Um, but I've finally just come to the realization that you need to just acknowledge your mistakes and be self-aware of mm-hmm. what you're doing in, in life. Beautiful. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Self-aware. Hashtag it. Hashtag self-aware. <laughs> Hashtag self-aware. I just was never self-aware. And, and that's my point of this whole conversation. It's like I was never self-aware of what I was doing. I just kept doing. You know, yeah. it would be like, you know, like abuse alcohol, take somebody home that you didn't care about, go to a job, you know, not sober and all these things and just not being self-aware, you know, abusing all the power that I was given. And, you know, it it took me, you know, crashing a car, going to jail, almost swallowing a whole bottle of pills, you know, you know, crazy, intense fights, verbal and physical with my ex you know, spouse, you know, it took all that stuff to finally just punch me in the face and be like, you need to smarten up because you have a great life ahead of you and you've accomplished so much and you continuously throw it away and make people think that you're okay, but you're not. And until I became self-aware of what I was doing, Mm. I was, it was just a waste. And I'm really sad about it because there was a lot of things that happened in my life that was really, you know, really could have enjoyed more, but I just didn't, I just didn't care. And I wish that I did. But I mean, hindsight's a, yeah, yeah. Hindsight's a bitch. (laughs) 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 Hindsight's a bitch. Amen. Amen. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, being self-aware, I think is the biggest thing, you know, just being self-aware of your actions. It's okay to go out on the weekend and celebrate with your friends. It's okay to, to do whatever you want to do. Like we're young, like we're allowed to live our lives and, you know, eat the stuffed crust pizza, you know, (laughs) you know, eat the, you know, drink the extra beer, you know, give your friends a hug and tell them that you love them. It's okay to make mistakes. It's just as long as we're self-aware and we better ourselves. Yes. Yeah. It's a journey. Like I never, I never, you know, really wanted to better myself. I just kept going on this path Mm. and I, you know, I just want young people to really, I'm still a young person. I don't, I don't know why I say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, people people who are, you know, struggle with the same things that I did. You know, relationships, alcohol, drugs, you know, trying to find your way. Like, trying to, trying to defeat the people that told you that that's just a hobby. Yeah. You know, that kind of metaphor. It's like people who want to do that just because you get the... In, just because you get the anxiety and depression doesn't mean that you can't succeed in those things. Somehow I'm here where I am right now. And there's a reason why I'm here where I am right now, you know, and I'm still not okay. I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm really self-conscious, you know, I'm a a very self-conscious person. You know, sometimes when I get my, you know, I take photos for a living. When I get in front of the camera, I just 
feel like I looked like I got hit with a shovel, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> I do. Um, and, and my job is to tell people like, you look beautiful. Like you're fine. Like and capturing those candid moments of somebody laughing. If, if somebody took a photo of me laughing, I'd be like, good Lord, <laughs> good Lord. You know? So it's just, you know, <laughs> but being self-conscious, like that developed from all that stuff that I went through, even when I was self-aware of the things that, that I was doing, I finally became self-aware. Holy crap. I'm self-conscious of myself, like how I talk, mm-hmm. how I perceive myself, um, how I look, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, I get dad bods are in, but like, I, <laughs> I still, I still, I still struggle with it. You know, yeah. I do. I like beer and carbs. I'm never going to not, <laughs> you know, it's just I can't, how it is. Yeah, yeah. So but but that's kind of you know being self-aware is just such a big thing that you know no matter what career space you're in or no matter what people you surround yourself with or the thoughts that you have like i know people have suicidal thoughts all the time mm. and i know i did and i never thought that i'd act on it and i did and it was pretty crazy um mm. to think about but yeah just being self-aware and like trying to grow from it you know like i hope in you know this time in two years that i'm even more better off i'm still never going to be okay and i'm always going to have anxiety but i want to keep progressing in what i'm doing as a living and the people that i surround myself with you know yeah like if you had told me a year ago that i'd be sitting here pouring you know 80 percent of my story out to you (laughs) um i didn't talk about you know some things but that's okay i mean it's oh yeah you know i feel like Everyone should have some mystery to themselves. I feel like I told you probably 90%, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's okay to not be okay. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay to not be okay. And no one should ever be, you know, feel like a burden because they're not okay. Whether you're 23, 33, or 43 or beyond, it's like, it's okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I... Like, I so strongly agree. And we're all in this together. And we're supposed to just be like, you know, I feel like everybody, if you just think and reach down inside, like if you're like real with yourself, there's always a part of you that can somehow relate to what somebody else is going through. And just like that knowledge that if you were in that same situation, then you'd be doing the same thing. Like my grandma was really great at this whenever I would tell her certain things that I would had done, you know, I used her as like this person to confess to, (laughs) she would just be like, if that was around when I was your age, I probably would have done the same thing. Like, it's just, we're here, we're together, we're struggling through the same stuff. So let's stop looking for opportunities to judge each other and instead just pull each other up. Big time. I mean, I, you know, when I see people who just want to better themselves, it's like, you know, when I was younger, I didn't have a lot of people who stood up for me besides my, you know, parents and like some close friends. It's like if more people did that, there'd probably be more subsided anxieties in life. Yeah. We all think that it's a huge competition, right? Yes. Yes. Everything is a competition. That's how we feel. I know. And it shouldn't be that no, way. Not at all. You, know, you should be able to walk into, you know, you should be able to go with your friend to a gathering, social gathering, um, <laughs> and feel comfortable. Like if someone walks in my house and I'm hosting and I don't know who they are, I just like, I'm like, Hey, thank you so much for being here. 
mm. what do you want? You want some Cheetos? You want a beer? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I feel like if more people were like that, more people would be open. Yeah, I agree. And then how much better would we be? Like, you could just like to, I've had the pleasure, like the honor of meeting people now in my life that I can be true to and just open up about all of the ugly parts of me. Sean, my husband being one of them, thankfully. <laughs> um, and it's just like, it's such a freeing experience. And it, that is only like, I think it's only then that you actually grow. To be vulnerable, right, is yeah. such is such a rare thing. Like, I mean, to be vulnerable in, oh. in general. Yeah. Like to sit, like to meet you literally a couple hours ago and to sit here and pour this out to you about kind of my um my struggles and how I've defeated demons in my life. Yeah. You know, gotten lucky but also defeated demons and become self aware. Yeah. For me that's huge. You know, I literally just drove here a couple hours ago, gave you a hug, sat in your backyard for half an hour and then came in here. <laughs> yeah. And now we're here. And now you know? we're here. But if more people were vulnerable like that like for me right now, like I was pretty nervous when I was on my way here, mm-hmm. right? Because I I haven't talked about myself. I mean, I've I've talked about myself to close friends, but I haven't like opened up about you know seven eight years ago in a long time. Yeah. And to come here and do that, I feel just really like weight lifted off my chest. Even though I've overcome those things, mm. even to continue to talk about it to help other people or to even resonate with you or someone listening, it's like, that makes me happy, Mm -hmm. right? Because if I heard someone else talking about these kind of things, even if they didn't work in like the kind of, I don't know, the kind of genre that we do, like even if it was someone who was an electrician, but they were listening and they struggled with the same thing, trying to like overcome boundaries and work up in their, you know, company and stuff. Like it doesn't matter where you work. It's like you can relate to somebody no matter what you do. You can be a butcher, you can be a photographer, you can be a race car driver, you can be a friggin' Uber driver, I, I don't care, like, you can relate to somebody, because we all struggle with social anxiety, and trying to speak our minds, and just, you know, get through life, you know, mm-hmm. life, you know, I've read this quote, you know, in a million different spots, but it's like, life's not all about waking up, paying bills, and going to sleep, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not about that, you know. I'm pretty sure I'm flat broke right now, but I have no regrets from the last, you know, year of my life because I just stopped letting the demons take over and just started applying myself. Mm. Yeah, sure, like, I'll still go out on a Friday, Saturday night and stay out till 2 a.m., but but I'm doing it for the right reasons. Mm. Yes, yes, being, like, aware of the motive. Yeah, Yeah, like, I'm out... You know, singing karaoke, ACDC, Back in Black. <laughs> I'm out there. Uh-huh. I'm not going to do my impression here, but it's pretty freaking good. I, I can't. I hope to hear it at some point. You will. Okay. You will. I promise. Okay. Um, but I'm doing it for the right reasons. You know, maybe, yes, yeah, sometimes I still abuse it and that's fine. Like you can get out of hand, but I really, really, really try my best to go out with a motive that I'm just happy to be around my friends and I don't want to say no because I want to be ar- around people that support me. Mm. Like yeah. I don't, I'm not going out cause I'm sad. I'm not. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there was, 
That was the that was the grilled cheese burp. Sorry. <laughs> I just killed the moment. I'm so sorry. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so beautiful. You only you, added you. to it. Thank you. It's a beautiful burp. It was beautiful. But I go out now, bottom line, because I'm I'm happy. You know, I'm happier. And I know that I still get calls from my mother like twice a week being like, How are you doing? Are you are you okay? Because I feel like she's so used to me not being okay yeah. that when she sees that I'm out doing stuff, she right. just assumes that something's wrong. But it's not. It's not wrong. I mean, yeah, I've got I've got issues and I, you know, I still have that, the underlining anxiety some days, Mm -hmm. but nowadays it's like, I get anxiety about driving in a big city or like, what am I going to eat for lunch? Not about like someone making a comment about my socks. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. But like when I'm, you know, years ago, if someone made a comment about how I look, I would just like lock myself in my room, you know, but now you can't let that stuff bother you. Mm. And I like that I can go out and enjoy myself and laugh and make people laugh and have people tell me like you're fun to be around and and not not think that they're making fun of me. Like I would get messages online, you know, from friends being like, "Man, like that was sick," or like you did such a great job, and I just couldn't soak it in because I was so beside myself and so upset and depressed at myself that I was like, "Oh, they're they're making fun of me," like like that's where my mind was. Yeah. And now when someone says like man, I loved that shot or I loved that work. I'm like, thank you so much. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like there was a girl the other day. Um, she walked up to me where I think I was at work. I think I was in the studio. I, I, I can't remember. I was somewhere and she walked up and she's like, oh my God, like I'm a big fan of your work. Like it's so cool to like, you know, talk to you and meet you and whatnot. And um, yeah, we were at Moosehead. So I'm, so, so I'm shooting photos now from Moosehead Breweries. Okay. In St. John. And I was there and this woman walked up to me and she's like, hey, I'm a big fan of yours. Like, you know, I love your work. I'm so glad that you're working with us. Like, I've been following you for a really long time. And like, I get that, you know, off and on. And sometimes I'm like, oh, thank you so much. And sometimes my reaction is like, lady, I just shotgun beer and smoke cigarettes. I'm nothing special. Like, (laughs) it's like, it's like, it just depends how I want to take it. Yeah. But it's all within good, like humor it's not just because that's who i am but it's you know yeah it's also just how my image reflects who i am too on so on social media now and i feel like it's a lot more positive awesome i i'm not just doing things to make myself look cool or to hide how i'm feeling Mm -hmm. i'm doing it because i want to share with my friends and family like this is my life and i'm proud of it awesome not because i'm trying to hide some kind of depression yeah and you know each day is different, you know, some days you can wake up and just not feel accomplished and sad. And some days you can wake up and be like, I'm going to kick this day's ass. Yes. It's just learning that like each day is not going to be okay. Yeah. And and to not let it put you in a slump. Right. Because once you dig yourself in that hole, which I did when I was like 17, 18, you know, there was a few years where it kind of disappeared because of that person in my life. But at the end of the day, it's still there. You never really dealt with it and it's going to come back sometime whether it's by your actions or someone else's. So, and it affects you completely and you just don't even realize it. So self-aware is the biggest thing. I love it. So you've parted a lot of wisdom, which I, I appreciate. Me and my mustache. You and your mustache totally parted a lot of wisdom. I think the mustache did most of the talking. It did actually. <laughs> I've been, I've been blackout for the last hour and six seconds. <laughs> It's actually my it's actually my mustache that's been talking this whole time. <laughs> that's amazing. So then 
I, I ask everyone this question at the end of the podcast. Sure. What does it look to you to be mentally healthy? I think that you've kind of answered it, but just to directly ask that question. To be mentally healthy to me means to surround yourself with positive people because you can only do so much yourself. And I feel like even if you want to be the most independent person in the world, you're never going to be fully happy. You, whether you like it or not, you bounce your feelings and thoughts and emotions off other people Mm. and who you surround yourself reflects who you are. And I feel the people and me, especially living now in Moncton and being surrounded by such genuine people who want me around and want me there. And when I travel to like here in Halifax and when I travel to PEI and out West and, you know, to visit people, it's, it's, it doesn't really like change of scenery is nice. It's always nice. It's nice to leave home and go away and kind of like clear your mind, but it's who you're going to see in the destination and like how they make you feel is I think what it means to be mentally happy for me. It's about the family that you surround yourself. Like my parents, you know, my cousins, my aunt and uncles, like they're all so supportive of me and they love to hear what I'm up to. And that makes me mentally happy. When I go out on a Friday night to grab a beer with my friends or listen to music or just go for a drive or shoot photos and we're all laughing and that makes me happy. When, you know, I come down here to visit and I end up spontaneously on this podcast (laughs) telling you about my, you know, three-quarter life story, (laughs) (laughs) Um, that makes me happy. As I feel like as long as other people are smiling back at you, you should never take anything for granted. Oh, I love it. That's good. Thank you. No problem. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. It's been uh, it's been kind of inspiring for myself. I haven't talked about any of that stuff in a long time. So that's awesome. It was inspiring for me. I was sitting here just being like, oh yeah, I feel like I'm on fire. This is awesome. <laughs> I was on fire. I'm really sweaty right now. <laughs> 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 from talking about all that stuff yeah <laughs> it's amazing how that happens it, it does but no yeah thank you so much i think it's cool to just be able to myself vent for maybe hopefully you know one out of however many listeners to just even if one person resonates with something that i've said and been like i've been there or mm. wow you overcame that so can i because i'm just a genuine per- like i'm a genuine but i'm also just a normal person you know mm. yeah my maybe my camera has taken me to like a million different cool spots but you don't need a camera to take you to cool spots you can be a freaking architect and go somewhere and design something like it doesn't matter what you do for a living and i'll say that a million times you can make it happen whether you know just because someone tells you that you can't do something doesn't mean that you can't do it like words do hurt but as long as you take them and mold them into you know optimism Mm. then there's nothing that you can't do and i truly believe that straight from the heart brock jorgi Straight from the heart. Straight from the heart. That's my next album. <laughs> I'm gonna be. That's my next album. Can I? Can I like buy that before it comes out? You can. I will definitely list? give you the unreleased version. Oh my gosh! I can't wait. Yeah, it's it's gonna be sick. It's gonna be. Yeah, I might do a show at the Marquee in Halifax. Okay. You'll Just be on the VIP list. Oh my goodness! I'm so straight excited. from the heart, Brock Jorgie. <laughs> think of it like think of it like Phil Collins meets like. 
Phil Collins meets Kanye. Oh, yes. And, and that's what it's going to sound like. I can't. Old I, Kanye. Old. Okay. Graduation Kanye. Meets like, meets like Phil Collins. But it's like Phil Collins. Just on, just on repeat. <laughs> just on repeat. I you can't wanna, You want to know what mental health, like what it feels to be mentally healthy? Yeah. Phil Collins drum roll on repeat. <laughs> That's exactly what it feels like. <laughs> exactly what it feels like. That or Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses. Well, naturally. Please, please. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ruth. Hey, and love ya. Love ya. Oh, oh yeah. What? Were you going to say something? I wasn't going to say anything. Okay. Well, because this is something that I sign off with. Okay, ready? So to all of you listening, thank you so much for listening. And I want to make sure that wherever you are, you know that Brock and I are just sitting here loving you. And we will be talking to you soon. Bye. Peace.